0: Exciting times for the ANC in KZN as we launch the ANC KZN podcast. And who better to be my first guest than, of course, the Secretary-General himself, Mr. Figuilem Banula. Nopala,
1: good afternoon and welcome. No, thank you. And uh, thank you for having us. And uh, indeed, it's exciting times. And it's good to be here. And uh, thank you very much. Yeah. Do you watch podcasts? I do watch podcasts. I mean, I don't want to mention names uh, of which podcast I watch, but uh, there are many. Uh, I think it's a very important uh, development in the media mix uh, going forward that uh, we now have got podcast, and the reach out in terms of the audience is much bigger and better. So it's very good that the ANC also grab Uh, this opportunity during elections and even beyond just to keep in touch with membership, with people about the things that the movement does. Um, It's important to keep up digitally. I mean, the fourth
0: revolution is upon us. It would be a bit strange if the leaders
1: were not part of that revolution. Yeah, I think uh, look, as a self-respecting party, Part of renewal adaptation means the technological highway, you know, when uh, globalization came into being and uh, what one of the things it did is to make the world smaller. You can relate with your friends far and wide across borders, just close. And uh, it has also been modernized. We have moved from messengers. Uh, where you sit behind the computer, uh, to smartphones. And um, from smartphones to podcasts, you can talk to somebody anywhere in the world, just like that. And uh, for a self-respecting party, uh, adaptation and renewal means that you've got to be in that space. Communication, you have to move faster, unless you define yourself irrelevant.
0: Well, we're in that space now, so yeah. this is exciting. Um, before we get into the real stuff, we know you have spoken a lot about a lot of different things uh, since you took over your position as SG, but on the lighter side of things, we always go back to calling you Rasmetez. Yeah. For those that don't know, the youth who are watching now um, via YouTube, online, who don't know Razmetaz, remind us, this us Umbailu Rasmataz, how did that name come about?
1: Well, Rasmataz uh, was born out of uh, concrete uh, experience of work. Uh, I became Minister of uh, uh, Sports, and then they gave me the name uh, Rasbatas and uh, i uh, because uh, the things that we're doing were like Rasmataz. But uh, that's not original. I mean, Rasbatas is uh, like magic. Yeah, you know, something like that, you know, something big, exciting, mm. vibey and all of that. I mean, uh, it finds itself in the spaces of the popular culture. So if you were there when Hilbro was born, there was a popular pub there. they called Rasbatas and the Brenda Farsi uh, used to perform there, all the artists. And I mean, it was a, it was an important place. Uh, in our age of the pop culture. Uh, that time they used to call it public music. And then, um, so many people mixed there and, uh, in a way like that, even, uh, apartheid, uh, uh, agents like T-Cock, in the TRC, we know in the files that, uh, uh, that's where most of our comrades were arrested and basically been poisoned at Rasmatas. At yeah. wow. Yeah. So, uh, now, in today's life, Rasmataz really comes to with the character, but at the same time, with the work mm. uh, that we're doing at sport. And people said, no, that's Rasmataz. We did a lot of things uh, that were quite exciting. Many products that we launched. But Rasmataz comes with speed of doing things, yeah. you know. Uh, we brought in the Netball League. Today, it's sponsored by Telcom. We went to get it from... Uh, To get support for them from uh, uh, brutal, brutal, uh, what is this drink? uh, Alcohol. Brutal fruit. Yeah, brutal fruit from SAP. We got them a sponsor from there and put in the money there. We also brought in uh, basketball. Uh, We connected South Africa in the NBA and NBA Africa. And we brought the first NBA match in the country. We brought Serena and Venice. In the country to play, you know, testimonial match uh, in the republic, and then uh, we did a whole lot of things. We we're part of the Tisky challenge, yes. In terms of the league, as you see it now with SuperSport and all of that, and then uh, Super I mean, we also launched uh, the school sport uh, project. We're big on the sports awards, and excellence, recognition, and all of that, and then. Uh, we made it very clear we fetch champions we put champions on the pass not mediocre mm. and then uh, sundowns won uh, you know the africa champs and then uh, we put them on the bus we welcome them at the airport our olympians they won big and then we used to reward them financially put the money in the pocket of the athlete we're a department without money but it's careful actually. Mm. And then making things like that. Uh, because these are people really in a world and a society where uh, there is an earning for role models. Yeah. It was important to launch that platform uh, that uh, people don't end up following, following plastic and they think that is substance. Mm. So we say, Here yeah, are your stars. And then we, we really made them look like stars, deservedly so on the red carpet uh, okay. in, in many ways. So Rasmatas was something like that. Policy very strong in terms of transformation, because that is the pillar of the ANC transformation agenda. That's exactly We're what I was na- going to say. We are nothing true. without talking about transformation yeah. and transformation. So that's RAS That's what I was going to say is that uh, the name
0: might have sounded lightweight, but the policy behind it yeah. was, was quite strong. And at that time, maybe the first generation of actual celebrities that we, we had as yeah. a country coming out into democracy. Yeah. So that was exciting. So let's get into the serious business of why you are in Devon. Oh. Uh, the ANC Manifesto launch is happening this weekend in KZN. Why KZN, SG?
1: We launched our manifesto here in 2019. And uh, when we won the elections, uh, Moses Mabida has been good to us. But uh, over and above that, uh, when we start the campaign, uh, we started in a big province, mm. like uh, KwaZulu-Natal. Uh, the biggest chunk of South Africa's vote uh, comes from this province. So as a big party, we need to come here and uh, announce you know, uh, what we want to do, where we actually come from, and but also thank the people of the province for their continued support and belief in the African National Congress. So this is home. Mm. Uh, we took it from the IFP and uh, uh, and then uh, we governed in this province uh, over time and we made a lot of changes. And it is time when we launched a manifesto, like I was in Bambata yesterday. The, the first rural development projects of this government were tested in Bambata clinics were built there. There were no roads there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, water, you know, and sanitation and clean water. Our projects started to find expression there in Pambata. So uh, I was there and happy the media followed us there. But the story of Tabumbeki's government and administration of rural development started here, yeah. in this province. And uh, it was a probably a neglected province, big as it is rural in nature mm-hmm. um, and uh, the ANC came into power and as we a populace of 36 million, today we are 60, chunk of that come from this province. You can see that uh, our challenges are growing exponentially and uh, as we continue to govern and uh, it is important that uh, when we announce our intentions and uh, our resolve, our way forward and what we want to do going forward, we come to KwaZulu-Natal. And so it has happened this
0: uh, year, being obviously the election year, that uh, every party seems to be coming to KwaZulu-Natal. It's, it's like a Caspar Nuoves uh, fill up the stadium uh, kind of situation. Um, what has that meant, the fact that other parties have seen this particular province
1: as a, a relevant place for them to launch their manifestos? It is not a relevant place. They just want to prove their muscle and challenge the ANC. Uh, last year in September, we announced that uh, we will launch our manifesto in KwaZulu Natal in February. Uh, we had not finalized the date, and later on, we finalized twenty fourth. And then they followed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they followed. Uh, we are going to Moses Mabhida, Moses Mabhida. So we, we 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 set the trend. Very good because we are in the combat and then others to prove their worth and that they call themselves government in waiting. So we've got to go where the ANC goes uh, because you are not something serious unless you fill up a big stadium like F&B. So it wins them accolades. Mm. It, it's a status sim, symbol. Filling up stadiums for the ANC, if it is not full, we'll be shocked to ourselves. Mm. It's part of our DNA. It's a reflection of a mass party that we are. And uh, coming to Moses Mabida is a reflection of that. So, And then others followed and so on. Nonetheless, we are not in competition. Give each other space. What is important is what we will say to our people, mm-hmm. uh, this coming uh, Saturday, but over and above. Our manifesto is not uh, a formulation of new policies which are untested. Yeah. Uh, we have implemented more than 80% of our promises in the last election. In our review, we have revealed that. Nobody, including Fact Check, have challenged that. Mm -hmm. And then as we finish towards these three months, most of the things will be done. Our Achilles heel is a load shedding. Uh, And water, might I add, in case it is. Yes, and water. Obviously, South Africa is faced with a bigger challenge of water scarcity. And uh, this is the challenge that visited us, the same as load shedding. And these are some of the challenges we are actually dealing with. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have now moved a step further. We have uh, envisaged this problem years back. And that is why Muzum has taken off in the Eastern Cape. So in the next five years, the problem of water and scarcity in terms of the dams were built, starting from in Limpopo. Uh, where the dams and the projects were not finished. We're finishing them and uh, also the agreements were finished with uh, the Lesotho government to extend our our project, uh, I mean, beyond where it was. Mm-hmm. It's something else. So you are looking at the next five years of boom, if there will be no COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Like it happened, big, yeah. And uh, you, you can look at it and, and and look at what the critics and detractors say, but uh, you look at how we have been resilient mm-hmm. uh, post uh, COVID nineteen, and uh, despite the fact that of all the challenges we faced, our economy have shown resilience. I mean, uh, Minister of Finance announced yesterday that our GDP have reached a debt ratio. Mm. something like unheard of, how resilient is that? Yeah. That ratio tells you that this country this year is going to realise boom. If the NC was to be out of power, those who will come in, they will enjoy this good work we've started and make this country look like we've been sleeping on the toilet.
0: And an then which point. is the foundation
1: we will have started.
0: You've talked about rural development and you talk about this uh, foundation, which you have... It's a big announcement um, of what uh, was laid out in the, in, the, in the announcement. The last 30 years of the ANC being in power, besides rural development and some of the things you've mentioned, what have been your highlights personally um,
1: as now SG of the ANC? Let me tell you, when we came into power, we actually faced, a, not even a conundrum, a biggest challenge of our lives. Uh, today, I was talking about the deployment policy of the ANC, tracing it from down in 1990 to 2004 with uh, the adoption of the RTP and uh, ready to cover. I mean, uh, you can mention whole documents, constitutional guidelines, a declaration. Um, um, so as the ANC coming into power with the RTP, uh, it was like Father Christmas. Mm-hmm. We were saying to our people, what are the immediate things that you wanted us to do for you? They said it, housing, water, electricity. The basics. The basics, the basic needs of our people. Our people are not connected. And boom, when we got into government, there is a big debt that the apartheid regime had left with us. And then what do we do? And then we're faced with a debt Many countries that were in our position, if you juxtapose Brazil, uh, then resorted to structural adjustment programs, but also uh, the advice that they got from the World Bank. We chose the path of growth, employment and redistribution, which meant that we've got to focus on macroeconomic stability. But how do we do that without Compromising on the basic needs, what we are addressing the RTP. So we had to address that. We were inheriting these uh, uh, state-owned enterprises, but they are of no value. Which were not of no value for their families and everybody. We sold those things, aventuras and all of that. We had to restructure the state assets to address the question of financial capital to finance the RDP. And our economy was boomed to zero in terms of uh, attracting financial, in, I mean, direct investment inside the country. So what do we do? We're faced with all of this, and then we're to reprioritize. But we're to ensure that we meet the basic needs. Our policy of alleviating our people from poverty had to be implemented we are to implement a comprehensive social security net like never been seen before in the world. From 36 million to 60 million people today, we're still going stronger. And uh, we are to do all of those things and uh, we are to intervene in terms of lifting those who are not even in the periphery altogether. And then uh, we are to intervene in terms of saying, you are there, you want water, you want electricity, but you can't afford. Mm-hmm. As it is in the country today, people don't pay services. They are all in, dependent on the state. And it is because of what we inherited from apartheid and the steps that we had to take. Uh, and it set us at, at longer age with our allies yeah. because they thought, no, this emphasis of macroeconomic stability at the expense of growth, and employment is problematic, but we would have collapsed. This country would have been, uh, you know, something else. We Would have been out of power like that, uh, in in no time. Yeah. So we struggled. Come to 1999, and then 2004, we registered uh, two thirds majority. Economy stabilized. There was boom in the economy. We were able to create jobs, even though. Growth, we realized in the economy was jobless, growth. But at the end of the day, there was stability. But exponentially, on the other hand, our country was growing. Yeah. And it, like it is now, we're 60 million people. And the interest of the people then um were increasing. So our, our, our policies equally had to continuously change and adapt. So the NC, when we say, it was better before apartheid. Uh, for those who have never lived under apartheid or who have been sellouts under apartheid, they will be the first to say apartheid was better. But you talk to Malula Tintzual, I'm Tintzual. When I arrived in my township, I came from the rural areas. And they were suffering from what is called force removals. Drought. My father had to sell everything for 400 trends. 400 trends. Two horses and uh, six cows, fat Brahman. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was no uncle at that time, we're not exposed to it. Six sheep, they were about uh, 20 or 30. They were all sold by okay. Hotel sure. Raj, my father, for 400. And then force removals put us, 1979, in Butzave, a biggest farm, that a farm that grew to become Butzave called Onfervah. Mm. And when we arrived there, we had nothing. And then uh, this is where apartheid put us. The first experience of me for a house and water and everything else is through the ANC government me i'm not talking about me as a struggle. i'm talking about figurine balula in terms of growing up in the farm and then here come with my family and then dependent on state grants and everything else but at the same time i wouldn't have been here and realized everything i could having struggled and all of that Uh, because we realized everything after we realized freedom. Mm. But when we arrived in 79, there was nothing for us. It only dawned to us that there is a better life, things can happen. Come 1994, after 79, we then started to have tap in our yard. But when we arrived in (sighs) Putsabedou, we were given water by tanks Mm. and all of that. We used to queue in a big... Uh, you know, line you to get water from these trucks. And then you miss, it's gone. And then only the ANC restored dignity. Mm-hmm. Then the tap was moved from the street inside the, the household. Then we had our own tap. And then we're entitled to water. None of us were working, we were at school. My father was a pensioner, my mother was a domestic worker. They couldn't afford to pay water. Then the ANC implemented what is called an indigent policy to cushion the poor. That's what ANC did. And it's still being implemented today. 3,000 liters of water per week or whatever for free. So we started to learn that you don't waste water because it's a scarcity. Nothing is for free as much as government is giving. That time we were activists, we were comrades but we have experienced this, both the experience of apartheid and the experience of the new dispensation. So when a person I use that apartheid was better, I normally say, because they've never had this experience. And under apartheid, probably their families were selling out. And What, then, what uh,
0: do you say to somebody, um, SG, who now that the historical debt is not such a big worry for the ANC leadership. To somebody who is still hoping for that change uh, that you saw come in, somebody who's without a tap in the yard currently, because population explosion has made it that it's hard to keep up with everybody's basic needs. What can you say, what do they look forward to
1: uh, in the next five years? This dynamic of what is happening, is not just population explosion. You are faced now with a phenomenon of urbanization. People are moving from the rural areas to the townships. If, if you look here at Guamashu and uh, Umlaz and so on, look at the township is growing and there are new settlements everywhere else. You go to Joburg, it's a it's, a, it's, it's something else. Uh, I was in Joburg in City Bay last week at the Ramaphosa Square. People have just settled in the big Ramaphosa Square They don't have ablution facilities and all of that. And then they tell me, we are settled here, we need water, we need electricity, we need roads. The challenge facing our government is urbanization. And uh, as a phenomenon, how do you contend with that Mm -hmm. um, uh, from what we need to achieve as a government? Now, for somebody who's a critic who doesn't govern, who doesn't govern, doesn't understand those challenges. Mm -hmm. So the easiest part in our country today is to become an opposition. It's a, it's a milking cow. I mean, it's it's, it's 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 wonderful. You know, me and you, we can sit here and become opposition. Our job is not to do anything. Mm. It's just to tell ANC to do that. I will do that. I was listening to a manifesto of another political party. I mean, that thing is unrealistic. These guys have even stopped thinking. They, 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 they don't do research. Uh, They take the voter for granted. I mean, people were asking, if you say you'll give people on top of what they are getting now, 350, you'll double it up. You know how much is 350 per month? That we're giving to people to settle 350 is over 7 billion. And then somebody says, no, I'll double up. Remember, there are other challenges that you're faced with. You are selling people a pipe dream. Some of them should be arrested Mm -hmm. for the things that they say without research and they are not being challenged. We are discussing things that are not realistic and all of that, we don't deal with the content of what is in this manifesto. So the manifesto of the ANC is going to be realistic. It's no longer a manifesto after 30 years of democracy where we are thumb-sucking, we don't know where we are going, how many people are unemployed, what, what are we going to do with that? The key question before us as we go now as the NEC is that, what are we supposed to do that uh, we have not been able to achieve in different areas where we have actually failed? And that is what our manifesto is all about. It's not about, uh-uh, there is a problem with electricity. The question is, how are you going to defeat shedding? How are you going to bring about um, electricity security in the country? Those are the answers that the N.C. must give in the next five years in terms of addressing the situation of electricity uh, in south africa and so on so those are the things that uh, we need to address
0: so to almost to wrap it up one two more questions uh, if you will sg uh so we're doing this podcast right now what do you think uh, or how do you think you could use it to help you mobilize ahead of the manifesto and the elections
1: i believe mobilization is to be truthful to our people and then uh, is to use our stretch on the ground and to be in touch with the voter, including those who are despondent. Um, that's what uh, we need to do. Podcasts will get our message um, to interesting spaces. Others may not even be interested to watch the podcast because ah, it's a podcast of a political party, ANC, self-defense. So the real podcast is the one. So. Uh, way in which you've got critique uh, or people who are critical of the ANC, because to be popular these days, you must criticise the ANC. So people will look at that podcast, uh, not the ANC. So this podcast to me goes to be, it's got to be informative to an ANC voter, but it's got to be informative to the ANC member. It's got to be informative to the ANC activist who believe in the party. And all of that. And then share information. And at the same time, over time, it will attract uh, greater numbers. People love the ANC. There's lack of information. We live in the world of fake news. So this podcast is going to help us to put the record straight. And um, how, and how and have people th- been receiving you on the ground since but, you are here in Ghazulu-Natal? I mean, you can see. I mean, it's Unbelievable all over, uh, people coming out in numbers. I've just finished the rally now of women in, the, in Teguini. Uh, I see people passing people all over the country. It's not gonna happen here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this corporate have uh, uh, proven beyond reasonable doubt that our organization is alive here. It has got members. It is multiplying uh, every day. It has got volunteers. It has got people who are carrying on with the ideas and the dream of the ANC uh, to work for our people and all of that. So, uh, uh, and it's not a shock. I was actually surprised when people thought the ANC is dead when we got <laughs> who to said that? Yeah, <laughs> no, in Bombay, When the stadium was full, small stadium, they said, no, hey, this thing of not liking the ANC is our thing only here on Twitter. Uh, we thought this thing is done and dusted, is dead. I said, who else can ever think of the ANC dead? I mean, that's why they call it an elephant. But it's good. And then others started to propagate that elections are going to be rigged, Hey, this and that, what they are going to do. A political party that cannot stretch its its capacity in the whole of the free stage. Leave alone KwaZulu-Natal. want to claim that Elections will be rigged. You know, to contest elections, we've got 22,000, more than 22,700 VDs. In those VDs, each and every one of them, even those that are hostile, we deplore as the ANC. A political party that can't even stretch, you know, beyond uh, Peter Marisberg, they say they're going to get two-thirds majority. And then people believe this thing, and then there is a song that follows. You can see a pipe dream. Things are going to be fine. We are in charge. I mean, it doesn't work like that. And they will start to realize, because we worked hard uh, to get things done as the youth of the NC. Uh, they have never been in a space where they've contested on their own and run an election and win. Mm-hmm. We have done it. And uh, there's nothing different from this election. Uh, the ANC will lose this election if its machinery, which is what it has carried the ANC over the years, is dead and is unable to carry the mass of our people to the voting on the day of the election and marshal the forces. That's what is important. Uh, for the ANC, because everybody is hostile, uh, even, even people, some of them whom you know, you know, they are belonging to the ANC family, they are doubtful. Uh, and then I was talking to some friends, uh, I'm Czech critics who sit on WhatsApp groups the whole week. And then they just said, no, you won't get 50%. I said, but Comrade, at what point? And then they refer you to the polls. Mm-hmm. I said, at what point were the polls correct about the election? In 1999, they polled us very low because they said Mandela is gone. Tabo is aloof. It's not known. We won. We contested the most difficult election with COPE and Zuma facing charges of corruption. We got 65%. As much as we dropped, we got 65%. Because we went all out and we used our capacity to actually. So people love the NC. FG, there's, there's I, no alternative. I, have to, I have to say, with um,
0: your history in the Youth uh, League, this is a little bit off script, but I, I'm, if you'll allow me, uh, we have decided um, that there's a, a problem with our youth currently. I, I'm not sure if that's uh, not having structure, not having challenges, not having. I'm not sure, but our youth uh, seems to be unfocused currently. Um, and people have talked about bringing back conscription where they go to the army. As a member of the Youth League, a former member, what can you say to the youth who are watching us today to get them back in back in focus? I'm not too sure what the future then looks
1: like for this country. You see, you've got to continuously get youth interested with politics. Politics is the way of life. Um, It's only that politics has been made to be a taboo that uh, to be a politician, you're a liar. And then professional politics, formal politics of being a parliamentarian and all of that, uh, politicians are people who are untruthful and so on. Um, that disinterest the youth. What interests the youth in the country? It's not a new phenomenon. It's not only a phenomenon here in South Africa, advanced democracies, youth. And that's why they, there's a concept called political apathy. It's a question of disinterested people. Here in South Africa, the youth is aware, but they don't participate. Why? In terms of um, being active and all of that. Um, and it's, 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 it's generally a global phenomenon and uh, which must actually uh, be addressed. Also because the youth believe in new challenges. They need to be challenged. Uh, ours has sort of been about personal and self-encarnatement. What is in for me? If I'm in, then I'm, I can be prepared to go. What is the question before the South African youth? When you go to them with politics, it's a way of life. When you go to work, you wake up every day, you get inconvenienced. How you respond to those challenges is politics. But the question of the youth of our country, where we need to take them out of, is this personal aggrandizement, what is in for me? Mm -hmm. Come and perform at the ANC rally or any other rally. No, I can't perform or whatever that it is. Come and participate in this and that. No, I can't because there is my nothing. Opinion. Yeah, there's no money. money. And yet, uh, active citizenry means you do something about your situation by being active. Politics is about being active and volunteer your services to something uh, that doesn't pay. There is World Cup in the country. I want to be paid uh, to volunteer my services to it. But... I volunteer my services in the World Cup, I become a better person after it. I've met people from foreign countries, they've told me stories. Out of that interaction, I became a better person part. These people opened up avenues and uh, things for me to do. Even because of my voluntary skills that I've acquired out of the World Cup, I've now ended up being a broadcaster. And this and that that I've not planned. When we got involved in politics at the age of 14, I can't tell you the date and time. I just found myself in front of the students, addressing them and telling them about about the struggle. The activism just took me over. Mm -hmm. And to convince them every day that, look, this is the right thing. As much as the struggle was hard fought and all, not all of us believed in the struggle. They believed that we're wasting our time. We are young terrorists. And at the same time, we are useless, we are failures. We'll never succeed in life. And uh, all what they need to do as young people at school, because they were depoliticized, is to be straight and narrow, go to school, study, bantu education, pass. You'll become a teacher, a policeman, not even a doctor, because bantu education didn't teach you to get to be a doctor. You can end up being a nurse. All those were reserved for us. So we were fighting the system. We wanted to destroy it for what has come to be a new dispensation today. That produces um, actuaries, actuaries that produces engineers and all of that. Those things under apartheid were not there, but our conviction carried us. But when we talk about the past, everyone speaks as if he was there in the forefront. They were not there. They were with us. We forced them out of classrooms. We went to jail, we were arrested, tear gas, tortured by the enemy. And there was no hope that these ones would get anywhere. Some of our comrades died along the way. We called ourselves the victims because we survived. We called ourselves the survivors because we survived, but others didn't. Even today, there are people who just don't believe in terms of partaking in simple things. Let me do something. Uh, beyond just getting into fun and drowning it. Uh, If without fun, what do I do? I see young people so active who are successful in their conscience. They think on their own. I've got 100,000 in the bank at the beginning of the school. Let me spend uh, 20,000 to buy school kids uniform and all of that voluntarily. Those things move me and believe and make me believe that there is hope because it's consciousness mm-hmm. once a person when is successful and has got and through their talents this and is conscious to the effect that I've got to uplift others then it's easy to tell that person participate and that person voluntarily will vote I mean uh, our celebrities and well-known people without even telling people what to vote for they are just not in the mood to tell people it is the right thing to vote. vote, And they must go and vote. Uh, They don't do that. So what do you do with your fame? You only want us to remember you when you are down. But when when you were famous, what did you do about it? And you look at young people, they do something about their fame. I'm famous. I became a DJ. I did not finish my school. And then I'm this person who's admired because of my music. I share part of my wealth, my heart and wealth and talent through my talent with young people. That is moving. So how you deal with the youth is that you need to keep encouraging. And then you don't have to say to them, for instance, let government do something for you. Then on the basis of that in return, I will vote. It shouldn't be the question, why should I vote? Because I've got nothing. I'm at home. I'm unemployed and all of that. The question is, participating and voting is citizen uh, activism. And that's it. Whether you vote for the ANC, yes, I would love you to vote for the ANC or anybody, is citizen consciousness. And that is what we need to teach our youth. But equally, our education must do that. Now, our youth are getting education in the former modern C schools, private schools. Those youth there, understand politics, but skewed. That uh, transformation is not something they need to pursue. Uh, All what they've achieved is because of their own talents and their parents' uh, ability and affordability. It's got nothing to do with the fact that uh, it's because of the new dispensation. New dispensation, AMA 2000s doesn't exist. So they look at things that, my daughter probably will look at things and maybe become the most reactionary. As my father was in politics, I'm not into that. I've achieved what I've achieved because they've they've supported me. But it's out of my talents, and they become the most conscious. And these are the people who will then say there was no revolution in South Africa. Uh, all what happened is that blacks came into power, and then uh, they believe this thing that they messed up, and we are on the right path because. That is the leak in our society that is getting conscientized. They've never known about uh, electricity and connected to the grid. It is the ANC in the rural areas. They never even envy to have electricity. I mean, uh, when I went to Joburg and I came back home. That's the gap. That
0: that education has been delivered.
1: When I went to Joburg and I came back home in a shack where we're living, and then uh, I asked them, hey, "Where do you get electricity?" Because my is in mm. When I come back, they had a coupon in the thing, but I see at all from in the in the M-cuckooing, Okay. Got it, but I first forget it up. 1994, 1996. The ANC connected our people through shacks in the shacks and everywhere else. But then I'm a coupon, a guy. Danam Jumelili Mali, my mom. But all along Ube primer stuff and everything else. no stuff. Is into And then we are price of course, gas there and there. But they didn't use gas. Electricity was brought in. And that in itself is a better life because the basic needs electricity, water. And then uh, it is a house for free, mm-hmm. and then these are the things that a democratic government and the ANC did. And then you are told by being brainwashed that nothing has happened.
0: That's where we'll leave it, SG. I think that's a good place to leave it. Um, a name in, in, in one word or two, uh, a name for the podcast. If you had to give us a name, you. <laughs> one word or two there? There you <laughs> and that's it from us ladies and gentlemen friends and comrades if you've got an idea of what this podcast should be named we are available on instagram x and a tiktok look out for us and let us know thanks for joining us thank
1: you very much thank you sir yeah no you have not... yeah <laughs>